ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to These Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Steve Hartman sitting across from me. Steve, what's going on, man? Nothing much except for the hiccups. So if uh, I hate my dinner too fast. If you hear a, you know, a little pause in my voice now and then, that's what it is. I'm going to drink a lot of water here and see if that will help. But uh, right. glad to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you back. And, um, you know, we were, uh, we were kind of intending to be – done with our podcast at this point at least for the season have them all recorded but we wanted to get um our guest in and we're going to introduce him in just a moment here but i'm so excited to have um this uh this gentleman on like i said we're going to uh introduce in a moment but first want to give a shout out to mission aware steve we are um post thanksgiving at this point and uh black friday has come and gone cyber monday has come and gone uh, but Mission Aware is still around, and uh, we want to, you know, just let people know Mission Aware has been a great partner to us. Um, I have uh, and am intending on buying uh, gifts for friends and family. Like I said earlier, that um, poster of Romans, um, I have someone in mind that I'd like to get that for for Christmas. So highly recommend that. They have great T-shirts. They have their five solas uh, line that they're doing and promoting. Um, so anything from Mission Aware would be great option, great opportunity for uh, our listeners to go out. You know, If you're looking for uh, gifts for someone last minute um, or even not last minute, as the case may be. Yeah, um, I know I've pushed this one before, mm-hmm. and I, but uh, I just looked at all the shirts again that they have, the shirts, the hoodies and whatnot. Yeah. And really, I think that post-Tenebras Lux is the one to have. Isn't, it, isn't that great? That is really nice. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's uh, one of my favorite. Joy and I have that shirt. We wear it all the time. So you both have um, one. We do. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Yep, yep. So we both uh, we both really and en- really enjoy that one. Um, but want to get into our guests here, um, Adam. Uh, Adam, I'm going to ask you on air live. This is this is how we do podcasting. Um, how do you say your last name, Carius? It is Carius, yes. Carius, all right. First time, first try. Not bad. Uh, so Adam Carius and Adam, you contacted me um, far too long ago, um, and you know, you just said, "Hey, I, I like the podcast. Um, I, I wrote a book. Would you guys mind reading the book and just letting me know what you think?" And um, you know, full disclosure here, we have turned people down before um, in mm. in books that they've had us read and. Uh, but read your book, decided, and really wanted to get you on and talk about that and promote that. And especially since we are early in the Christmas season, I think this would just be a tremendous book for um, people to go out and get as a gift. Um, so, you know, full disclosure, want to say uh, thank you for writing this book. It was great. Um, you know, I, I told you. Um, off the podcast that I read uh, the first half of it, and in that first half, just decided you know I wanted to have you on there. Pass it off to uh, Steve Hartley, my co-host, who um, read it and uh, agreed with me. This was just a great book, and we wanted to have you on. So, thank you so much for joining us. So, Adam, I want to ask you before we get going farther. Your last name is Carius, and I'm looking at a picture of you and your wife, by the way, on, on the back cover. And uh, it's a good thing you've got her on there. She makes it look really nice. Just kidding you. Um, no, that's true. Uh, just kidding you that you don't make it look nice. You look <laughs> fine, too. But I'm wondering, are you Greek? No, I'm not. All right. Uh, that, that's German. That's German. How would it yes. be pronounced in German? Any idea? I, I really don't know. It's been changed a little bit when we, my uh, great-grandfather came into the country. Wow. But, um, yeah, he came from uh, Germany mm. via Russia. So, 
Wow. Cool. Okay. That's neat. Um, Adam, we want to give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit. Um, so give us a, a brief uh, snapshot of yourself, friends, family, what you do, um, you know, all, the, all that great stuff, all the stuff you think uh, should be important for people to, uh, to know about you. Yeah, well, as, as mentioned, I'm married to a wonderful, godly woman named Casey, and we have two kids, um, Titus, who is five, and Jillian, who is nine months old. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah, she was, a, she was um, definitely a blessing, and uh, it's been great having her, her be addition to our family. I, I, um, a, I'm a pastor at a church, uh, River Valley Community Church here in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And I was the associate for about five and a half years, and then I just recently transitioned into the lead p- pastor position. Mm, nice. So, uh, how has that transition been for you? Have you been enjoying it uh, more than the associate pastor position, or did you kind of enjoy the associate pastor position a little more? No, I've, I've been enjoying it. It's um, The way the transition happened um, – was was not the best just because the the lead pastor resigned and I was asked to fill in for a while and then I stepped into the the full position just recently uh, actually at the beginning of November so wow. I'm still in the, very recently position yeah mm. wow uh, well we are here talking about your book Adam decided and uh, just want to talk to you a little bit because you are the one who wrote this and you put uh you put this out there what was kind of the the trigger um i should say for you writing this is this something that you had been mulling over um for a while or was this something where you were just like something happened you were like you know i i need to get this out there i I need people to to be reading this well i've always had the dream of writing a book and um, this was birthed, I guess, through doing ministry and seeing a trend that has been, I think it's always been there, but maybe it's been developing a little bit more, uh, recently, especially a young, uh, in young believers is they just have a tendency to, uh, drift through life, maybe mm-hmm. not being intentional in how they're living, mm-hmm. not putting much thought into the future or, um, really what they do. They kind of go with the, the flow, and that's a general statement I know. But I've just I've counseled and, and sat with so many young men and, and even uh, ladies who kind of just have this um, a spiritual apathy maybe to them, mm-hmm. or a um, a lack of direction mm-hmm. or energy behind their life. Mm-hmm. And so that really was is what gave birth to this book is this idea of. Let's be intentional about how we live. Let's um, be intentional about how we're trying to glorify God in our life, and and let's seek to do that uh, every moment of our, every day. Yeah. Sometimes when pastors write books, uh, their books grow out of something that was in their pulpit ministry. You weren't the senior pastor. Maybe you didn't have a lot of pulpit ministry. I don't know. Or maybe you had a teaching position. But anyway, did uh, – did, did was this book generated by a class you taught or a sermon series you preached, or did it come purely aside from that? No, it was purely uh, aside from that. It was I started writing some essays about this kind of topic, and it kind of grew. And um, like a year or two ago, I it was like ten chapters long, and 
you know, very, very, very short. And I sent it to some seminary buddies and stuff like that and got some encouraging kind of remarks. And so just basically added to it over time and uh, different experiences, different insights uh, I gained through ministry kind of helped uh, flush out some chapters. And, um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how it came about. Hmm. Now, uh, let me ask you, Adam, um, we're going to, we're going to kind of get in and we're going to talk about some of the chapters and, you know, kind of give, um, more of a summary of the book and things like that. But I I wanted to ask you, um, what do you think, why do you think it's important that we live out our life, um, in Christianity intentionally? Oh, I, I, I mean, I just think it's, uh, by nature, we're, we tend to follow the path of least resistance and um, really not put thought into what we do. And when we do that, uh, we have the chance of falling back into the old habits that we lived before we knew Christ or are just living for our own kind of desires. And so when we're intentional, it gives us the opportunity to think about how our actions are affecting others as well as whether they're pointing the spotlight back on Christ and on God. And so I just think it's so important that um, we do that as part of sanctification and, and part of uh, maturing in our faith. Is And so I just think it's uh, one of those things we need to um, intentionally pursue. Mm. Steve? Sounds good. So uh, chapter one, you liken some Christian lives to that of zombies. Zombies, yes, I do. zombies are kind of a theme. <laughs> My wife and I just can't get into the zombie thing, but a lot of people are really into the zombie thing. So that's a good place to start your book. But tell us, what, what do you mean by that? What's the likeness? Yeah, well, I just have seen so many people. And, um, I mean, you can definitely make the con- comparison with non-believers as being zombies. They're they're dead, and but they're still mm-hmm. walking around, mm-hmm. and they need to be resurrected by Christ. Um, but, yeah, some believers still fall in that same thing as they – uh, zombies are driven by their base desires to feed and and are controlled by their gut. Mm-hmm. And you see that in so many people of being driven by those base desires of just pleasing their senses and uh, following that what they want to do and what makes them feel good. And so, uh, so often people get into this trap of just wandering, ambling around like a zombie, mm-hmm. uh, trying to feed themselves, and that's all they care about. Mm-hmm. Um, just again, for our listeners out there, we are talking with Adam Carius um, and, uh, about his book, Decided, which you said actually um, hit shelves back in June, correct? Correct. So, um, Steve, go ahead and uh, take it from there. I just want to keep throwing that in there for our listeners so that, they, so that way they know who we're promoting in the book that we're promoting as well. Again, this will, uh, this will actually drop tonight, Adam, so people will be able to listen to it in plenty of time to pick this up. Uh, again, one of the reasons why we're doing this is because Steve and I just both enjoyed it and thought, you know what, this, this would be a great idea for someone to pick up as a gift for a friend or family member um, or even, you know, yourself that, you know, this time of the year, um, I think it's, it's especially easy during this holiday season to kind of just start going through the motions. You know, you were just talking about that zombie mentality going for, you know, living for, you know, that, that base appetite, that base pleasure. And so, 
um, really, you know, great opportunity to pick this up and just, you know, read about living intentionally uh, as a believer. And I think this is one of the greatest times of the year to do that when people seem to be more open and receptive to the gospel and what the season truly means with Christ coming and, and what Emmanuel God with us means. And so, you know, living out your life intentionally. Um, so Steve, go ahead and take it away. Yeah. If you don't mind, I'm going to jump ahead to your chapter four, uh, which is titled, we have a purpose. And let Mm -hmm. me, let me read to you, uh, Adam, your own words, your own first paragraph there. It's a, it's a brief paragraph. And then they ask you something about it. Would that be all right? Yeah. So, so you write purpose is one of those big questions in life. Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? Is there something outside of me past what I might be able to see that is really driving me? What is my motivation for life? Why should I get out of bed in the morning? And what keeps me going when I don't feel like it? We all ask these questions or these kinds of questions. So I want to ask you, uh, do all people ask those kinds of questions? I would hope they do. I would hope they, uh, they're looking beyond themselves and asking if there's meaning in this universe or meaning in their, in their life. And so I think it is a, uh, a common question that's, uh, people ask, and they're pursuing, trying to fill it in, in many different ways that they pursue life. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the next page, you have something really interesting to me, and that is uh, when, you, when you have a purpose, everything in your life falls under it. For example, the person who sees family as her purpose will do whatever she needs to do to have that perfect family, and all her hopes and dreams are relying on how well her family performs yeah, we've really seen that, haven't we? What are some other possible purposes people might have? Have you thought about that? Yeah, I mean, um, climbing the corporate ladder, being the best in their job, uh, being famous. Um, I think you see a lot of people running after different things like that, and I, that becomes their purpose in life. And what purpose would you like to see instead? Oh, following Christ, making him known. Um, I think that's that's our the purpose we're designed for. Mm. Adam, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, these because in and of themselves, um, or I should say, apart from Christ, I, I would agree one hundred percent that I think these things are folly. I mean, you, you know, you go to the book of um, Ecclesiastes and you just see, you know, everything is uh, folly, and you know, Solomon pursued all these things and. You know, at the end of it, just, you know, it's, it's not, these things are not worth it in and of themselves. What, could you talk a little bit about, you know, someone who is pursuing Christ and yet these things are, you know, because obviously we, we all, you know, we have jobs and we want to do well in our jobs. Um, but we also want to make sure that they're not the the top. They're not the focus. They're not the priority. And so what would you say a, a healthy person um, who is pursuing their family but pursuing Christ first and putting Christ first, how would you kind of uh, picture that, put that into a picture for us of what that looks like? Yeah, I mean, just because I would say the ultimate purpose should be following Christ, making him known, living for him, that doesn't mean that these other things we do in life lack value or even importance. Mm-hmm. I think part of following Christ is doing well at your job and working at 
as if you're working for the Lord mm. and doing the best you can do. And so part of following Christ is loving your family and uh, leading them in the ways of uh, Scripture and uh, leading them in the ways of the Lord so that you can uh, raise them up and uh, hopefully they can know Christ. And mm. so all these other things that we run after are not necessarily bad. Mm. They, they are just things that are good that we've made ultimate. Mm. Um, and rather we need to put what's ultimate back in its place, which is fallen Christ. And once we do that, these other good things still have their place, but they don't have, um, that control over our life to the extent where, um, we forget what's most important, which is Christ. And so we should be pursuing those things, but under the mantle or under the umbrella, so to speak of, um, living for our God mm. and, uh, serving others in his name. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's good. I mean, you know, to me, like when I, when I hear you talking about, you know, a person who prioritizes Christ in their life and then, you know, what, so, so what does that look like? How does that translate into the family? To me, it's, you know, it's not this cookie cutter family where, you know, dad's in, you know, the nice suit and tie and, you know, mom's all dressed up to the nines and, you know, kids are, you know, running around and, you know, they're, whatever and you know perfect manicured lawn it's you know it's it's being real and honest like you know what we're people we mess up but god's grace is just all sufficient you know so the kids are you know the kids are running around the house playing you know the house is maybe a little disheveled and out of order um you know but there is just there's so much understanding that you know what the these are not the things it's not our outward appearance it's you know what i'm gonna blow it i'm gonna mess up as a dad i'm you know, I'm going to yell at my kids, but I'm going to make sure I go back to them and I explain to them why, as a father, I need a savior and why they need a savior. And, um, mm. you know, to me, um, you know, and, and again, in the corporate setting, I mean, I just, you know, envision how, how different would Christians be looked on in the corporate setting if, you know, when we did mess up, you know, let's say ambition did cloud our judgment because, again, we're human, we fail. And we end up doing something we regret and just going back to maybe someone that we wronged or a decision that we made and just apologizing straight up for that and, you know, just saying, man, I, I blew it there. I shouldn't have done that. And I, I just want to come to you as my coworker, come to you as my boss and say, I'm sorry for, for what I did or what I said. Um, and just how different things would look if we prioritize Christ in that direction. Yeah, that's so true. In fact, I would, I would say that when we do, we would be the the best workers in our workplace because we are giving ourselves to it as we should and and uh, working with excellence because we're supposed to work as if we're working for Christ in all things. We wouldn't be uh, engaging in office politics or mm. water cooler gossip because those things are we don't do as Christ followers. We would not have selfish ambition, but we would have ambition for others mm. and for the company to do well and. Uh, going back to the home, you know, we would be hopefully better parents because, yes, we would mess up, but we know that doesn't define us. Mm. And neither does our outward appearance and how well we have it together. But we can uh, preach the gospel to ourselves as we're preaching it to our kids that we need a Savior and we have forgiveness and we have grace. Um, but let's 
let's uh, live for him and all that we do. Yeah. So let me take you back to uh, the person you wrote about this person, the person who sees family as her purpose will do whatever she needs to do to have that perfect family. All her tasks, even her job are seen as a method of fulfilling that purpose. All her hopes and dreams are relying on how well her family performs. Um, so there's one example of a, a misplaced purpose that, you know, the big purpose, the great purpose to make Christ known, to live for Christ is, is maybe not the big one. And family took over. So here's my question. Um, you're a pastor, you work with real people, you've been around people for however many years you're alive. And do you see Christians by and large, do you see Christian women? Let's be, let's pick on the women for a minute. Do you see <laughs> Christian women by and large doing well with keeping family in its proper place? I'm asking this because, for example, uh, you know, I'm observing things in, in the church I pastor all the time, and recently uh, the person who heads up our children's ministry mentioned to me that she asked someone, could you, could you help work in the children's ministry? You know your kids are in it and all. Can you help work in it? And the woman's reply was, um, my family is my ministry. <laughs> Comment? Yeah, I mean, I guess in my experience, I, I I've seen all sorts. I think there's there's that struggle that they have, and um, not to go away from the women, but I mean, it, but in the whole family, I think you see a little bit in uh, youth sports taking this prominence where mm. um, people travel now on the weekends, and I can think of several people who are like, no, we can't be at church because you know little Johnny's playing baseball in a tournament this weekend. And that seems to happen every weekend. And they put this uh, importance on their kid and almost make the kid an idol. And I think that's all part of that. Um, maybe putting family first or that example yeah. that you shared is, you know, the looking almost like closing the circle of the family and saying, no, we're just worrying about ourselves rather than I think when you catch that bigger purpose of God and, and who he's called us to be is we're always going out. We're reaching out and bringing people in. And, um, yeah, your family should be your ministry, but that's not the end all be all of your ministry. Yeah, that's right. Huh? Yeah. When I heard that the, the lady said, I don't know who it is, by the way, people from my church are listening. I don't know who it was. Um, <laughs> but uh, when she said, you know, my family's my ministry, I thought narcissistic, man, how narcissistic, how self-serving, self-loving, navel-gazing can you be? But and, you know, I want to make sure I'm just not being mean here. I want to get your opinion. <laughs> and, and to what extent are guys doing this? You know, guys are working hard uh, in their careers. So are a lot of women. So women in careers, guys in careers. How how do they keep that in place so it doesn't become the everything? How they really function where they got to do 10-hour days with a two-hour commute um, and yet have Christ at the center of it all? Yeah, I mean, I, it's all about balance, I think. And, and really, a lot of times I think we get in this mentality that to be intentional means a, almost like living a monkish life or something of – seclusion or putting things away when rather it is that umbrella that or that covers everything or it has its uh kind of vines going in all aspects of our life where we're still doing maybe what we've been doing but we're doing it with a different attitude or mindset or a mentality where we find purpose in those things and see how even the mundane things are part of the great picture of god and his redemption history 
Yeah, amen. I would like to think that the hardworking guy, let's say he's a corporate attorney, he's got to get in his billable hours, he's always pushed for that so he can get his uh, his reward, his bonus at the end of the year, and so, you know, he's got to get to work early, work like crazy all day, go home tired, but maybe when he pulls up in the parking garage in the city at work, he stops and prays, oh Lord, I'm yours today, this is your day, I'm here for you, help me to do all this to your glory. You know, So that's like the direction of his heart. And then he dives in and lawyers away. And maybe on the way home, he's listening to a, a podcast to get him ready to be back home, back with his family and whatever. So you know, the guys have been really busy, but over it all and under it all, he is really wanting to serve Christ. I think guys can do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, as you described, you know, it's just, it's more of that intentionally directing our hearts back towards God in what we're doing. Mm. And so when he's coming home, it's uh, uh, intentionally saying, "Good Lord, give me energy to be with my family and play yeah. with them yeah. because that gives you glory. And that is what I'm supposed to be as a dad. Mm. And so he works hard. He comes home and he plays hard and, <laughs> you know. Visiting with his neighborhood, his neighbors saying, you know, please, Lord, help me be a good neighbor so people can see see me and, and know who I am so I can have chances to talk to them and, and befriend them. Sweet, man. Yeah, I think it's possible. Yeah, I think uh, you know, I work at home. I'm a pastor. I have my study at home, and I'm, I'm at home a lot, I, although I go out for meetings. But um, it's not like I have a commute. And on the way home, I'm thinking about getting back in, integrated with my family again. But if I had that commute and I have a wife and some kids at home waiting for me to get home, I think, I think definitely when I, at least by the time I pull in the driveway, I'm going to have to have a little prayer time and, mm. and like, Lord, help me to totally decompress from the job now. Mm. Help me totally, totally dive into my family now. Give me grace. Give me help. Help me to be sensitive to my wife and what she's been through today. Help me to jump in there and, you know, and take, Take uh, take the pressure off of her. So yeah, there's a lot I'd want to be praying about when I get home. And I guess most of the people listening to this podcast do have a job outside the home, do have a commute home, <laughs> do come home to reintegrate with their family. Um, maybe that's helpful to them. Hey, I'm going to change the subject. So you have chapter five, and it's on God's will. And I really liked your chapter five. That might actually be my favorite chapter in your book. Uh, because as you point out, there are some very false and less than biblical views of what, what God's will is. It's this hidden thing in the bushes and God saying, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer and oops, I missed God's will. I took the wrong job. Now I'm out of God's will and so on. Uh, you refer to some of that kind of thing. What, what would you like to say to people about God's will? What is God's will? What is finding God's will? How, what is being in God's will? Yeah, well, I think uh, the Bible gives us clues when it says, you know, it's God's will that you be sanctified and that you you live for him. And so, yeah, I don't think it's, it's that mysterious looking for that blueprint in your life, you know, pick a choice A and not choice B, but it's rather just living uh, for him and all that we do. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the paraphrase of Augustine when, it, when he says, uh, love God and do what you want. Mm. isn't that great yeah yeah i love it and that's you know i use it so often with people is because they come and they talk about you know they feel like they've missed out on god's will they feel like maybe they chose c when they were supposed to choose b and they're living some substandard yeah and and they're heartbroken over it yeah oh no i botched it all up now what do i do i'm out of god's will yeah I, i wish i how do I get back in God's will? And I think it's, it's so 
freeing to realize, yeah, God has a will for you, but it's not a will that we're supposed to find in those details. It's, it's, it's to live for him and, mm. and do what he has commanded us to do and, and have joy in what he's made and um, be who he's made you to be. And uh, I just think uh, that frees us to actually, in some ways, do the mission we've been called to do, which is love people and make Christ known. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's that's what I love about those verses, um, you know, where it says, whatever you do, do it all the glory of God, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Or uh, in Corinthians, you know, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. That there is no, as you said, there is no, you know, magic plan. There is no um, roadmap. And I think that's what's great about your book is that you talk about the intentionality but the intentionality is in our relationship with God. And so when our relationship with God is intentionally put first, then, you know, it's, it's as it says in Proverbs, you know, he will make our path straight. Um, that there is no, there is no crooked line when we are putting God first, you know, that I, I fully think that God has quipped and gifted people with, uh, different gifts and abilities, you know, Steve, you and I have had this conversation before, you know, what would you be doing if you weren't a pastor? You'd be a teacher, you know, and I think if you had settled into that profession as a believer, you would have been fully content and committed mm-hmm. to God's work as a teacher. Actually, if I could choose a different career, I want to be a Formula One driver. But... Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd have to be a teacher. I would have to be. <laughs> but, you One know, there is no, like you said, you know, there is no oh man, you know, I, I chose A and I, you know, I should have chosen B, you know, and, and I think about those things often, you know, I think about, okay, well, what would have happened if I took this path? And I think, Mm. I think it's good and I think it's healthy to think about those things. But I think at the end of the day, you look back on the reality of, but this is where God has me. Yeah. What if I had married Joanne who broke up with me? And not Debbie. Right. <laughs> How would my life be different? It'd right. Be, be, but I could still be in God's will and still be following Christ and still right. whatever. Yeah. 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 So uh, in, in a latter chapter, I'm going to skip ahead because it's related. I really like your chapter on we are on a mission. I think it's a chapter mm-hmm. that's really needed. I hope that uh, lots of hearers will buy this book and read that chapter and soak it in. And you talk in there about uh, the uh, the uh, the Great Commission, the two greats, the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. The Great Commandment, of course, is love God and love people. Great Commission is make disciples of all the nations, baptize them, teach them to do everything Christ commanded. Mm-hmm. And he's with us in that task forever till he comes. Um, so we could talk about how well people are doing in our churches with the Great Commandment. I'd like to talk about the Great Commission. Do you find where you pastor, and maybe you're exposed to churches other than just your own, you can speak more broadly than just your own church, are, are Christians nowadays generally energized by the Great Commission? And I'm asking that for a reason. I'm old. You don't know this. I'm 63. I've been around a long time. And I have a distinct impression that when I was a younger Christian, there was way more going on in churches, way more said said about evangelism and the Great Commission than there is now. And Tom Rainer, you probably know who he is. He's the guy who does Lifeway Resources, Southern Baptist uh, think tank, uh, study group, and so on. Uh, he says, he's been saying in some tweets lately that, there's very little said about evangelism nowadays compared to what it used to be like 40 years ago. So your, your opinion, do you think uh, many Christians are energized by that mission? Yeah. I, I, 
I'm sad to say I don't think they are. Um, I mean, there are people who are energized by it, and but so often I have found people not to be. They're more energized about the newest diet fad or the newest <laughs> or their pyramid scheme they want you to get into. Wow. Um, they're very energized about that, and they will take to social media and become evangelists for that. Huh. Uh, but they won't for Christ. Mm. They'll, you know, hit the streets and and let all the relationships they have for these other things. But they won't consider doing that to invite someone to church who needs to come to church or sit down and have coffee with someone and explain why they need Jesus. Mm. And that it's it's saddening that. We, people get energized, even people in church, about all these other things, and they they won't uh, have that same passion for the Great Commission of reaching people and helping them grow and cry, come to know Christ and then grow in them. Yeah, amen to that. One of the, one of the uh, one of the ways we can fulfill the Great Commission, one of the ways the you know the average rank and file of Jesus's people can help fulfill the Great Commission is simply to invite friends to your community group or invite friends to your church or something. And yet, uh, according to Rainer and others, in most churches, I think he would say 80, 90, 80 or 90% of churches are totally ineffective in outreach, totally ineffective in inviting. There is no culture of inviting at all. And then in 10% of churches, there's a massive culture of inviting. Um, I'm inclined to believe him. What do you think? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I would believe him in... Um, you know, we, we get, we get excited about inviting people over what we are excited about. Yeah. And so if we're excited about church, we want to invite people to church. And so I think it, it's, it's all tied in together. If, if you're excited about Jesus, you're going to be inviting people to know him and come to a place where they can hear about him. And so I think if you're, if people are kind of not engaged with their own faith and what they believe, they're not going to be inviting. And so if you're not excited about it, you're not going to invite someone to it. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, it getting people excited about their faith and who Jesus is, um, it is the first step to maybe correcting that or developing that culture of inviting people in. Mm. Once again, we are um, speaking with Adam, uh, Carius, his book decided, um, Adam, I want to go back to something you just said. Um, and that's, Something about, you know, people willing to post things, you know, about like the latest diet or fashion or movie or whatever it is. Um, and and you, you specifically mentioned like social media. And I, I wanted to talk to you just for a second about that because we're talking about intentionality and living intentionally for Christ. Um, and, I, and I don't mean this um, flippantly or glibly, but I actually intentionally um, – don't post a whole lot on social media in general because I find that the times that I do, uh, unless it's very innocuous, you know, unless it's very mundane. And the reason is because I find that um, there there are a couple things that happen in social media. And one is it tends to make uh, bullies out of cowards where, (laughs) you know, somebody's willing to put something out there and say something that they would never say to your face. (laughs) Um, and I've just over the years, and, and I'll be totally honest that I, um, I was not quite that bad, but I was a person who would get into, uh, social media arguments and debates. And I found it was just very 
unproductive, that a person could not get the nuance of my tone. They could not understand my heart and passion for, I would say, in an appropriate way for when I was talking about things of importance. And I mean, I'm talking about things that I think are are good things, you know, things like, uh, you know, anti-abortion and things like that. But I found that the people who I was getting through to are the people who already agreed with me. And the people who I was driving away were the people who disagreed with me, where if I could sit down and have an honest discussion with someone face to face about this topic, I felt like it was much more effective than just putting things on social media. And, and, you know, anybody who's listened to the podcast for any length of time knows that one of my pet peeves is, uh, social media. (laughs) Um, as much as, as much as we needed to promote the podcast, um, it is just, it is one of my pet peeves because I really do feel like there are so many things that, that the gospel gets hurt for lack of a better Mm, word. Yeah. Um, in that process, your your thoughts on that? Because because you mentioned it mentioned it. And I don't know if you were just kind of thinking more generically, or you know if you actually you know do think that believers should be more engaged with social media on these issues. Oh, I think I mean I totally agree with you that there's dangers to social media. Um, the one you pointed out is you can't have a conversation because one of the most important parts of a conversation is listening mm. and it's hard to listen when you're reading to reply. Mm. Um, mm. And so those kind of dollars, yeah, it, it, there's some danger. Uh, it can be hard. I found with social media, uh, it, it brings out the narcissist in all of us. Mm. And that's dangerous. It brings yeah. out um, this desire to get people to like photos or desire to, have some notoriety uh, with your peers and this, or your friend groups. And it really is, even when promoting good things, it's hard not to get caught up in that whole chasing after the most likes or the most Mm. comments or whatever. And so um, it, you have to, I think you get, you have to be intentional. Mm. No, you know, use of that word intentionally, but (laughs) right. um, And, and how you use it and watch your heart in it and watch your actions in it. Because yeah, you can get where you to a place where you're probably typing things you would never say in person, mm. but now you're responding in that, in that way. And, or you get into those debates and you just can't speak with the nuance, as you said, or you're, you are chasing after something you probably shouldn't be chasing after. And um, so there's, I think, a lot of good that can come from social media, just an awareness of what's going out, go on. We use it for our church to promote different things and to uh, post, you know, the messages and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, you have to be careful with it because it it has that temptation to pull your strain several of those ways. Yeah, I'm not anti, but I, I will uh, say I I bailed on Facebook about six months ago. And uh, I wondered how I would feel about that, having been on Facebook for a lot of years. I think I had about one week of withdrawal symptoms you know, where I wanted to grab my phone and look. Oh, that's right. I don't have it anymore. Grab my phone and look. Oh, that's right. I don't have it anymore uh, for one week. And since then, it's more like – it's not exactly bliss, but it's more like bliss <laughs> to not be part of Facebook. And I just got disgusted 
seeing other people's arguments and I also got disgusted that I would post something innocuous and innocent and nice, I think, and somebody who doesn't like me, imagine that, there are people who don't like me. Um, <laughs> somebody who doesn't like me would, would like be stalking me on Facebook and then use it against me somehow. Mm. So I thought, all right, I'm not giving them that opportunity anymore. I'm not saying another word on this dumb Facebook thing. So, so I bailed. I'm not saying if you're a good Christian, you will bail. Mm-hmm. No, I'm glad my wife is still on there. She shows me all the good pictures of my grandchildren that show up. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think you just have to be smart about how you use it because it's so easy to get pulled astray and, and caught up in something you shouldn't be caught up in. And, and so you just have to be aware i think is that that big thing and uh know the great uses it can have and also know where you might stumble and and shouldn't do what you're not supposed to Mm. so that makes a nice segue into your chapter 10 which is titled fight the good fight and that is taken from the verse you give at the head of the chapter first timothy 6 12 fight the good fight of the faith Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your confession in the presence of witnesses. So chapter on fighting. And you say at the bottom of the first page, all humans are looking for something bigger than themselves to fight for. Yeah, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe I would say, especially the testosterone laden half of the race. Oh, yeah. Men. And, you know, men come to church. And uh, we we live right next door to Aberdeen Proving Ground. Our church is very close to Aberdeen Proving Ground, a big military installation, a lot of military people and support military staff and so on. So uh, we've got people who are professional fighters. Mm -hmm. Then they come to church and you offer them to serve on the cookie committee. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, how, How can we help our Christian men especially find appropriate fights and engage in them? I think one of the first things is is like that verse going back to scripture and so showing all the military um, and athletic kind of metaphors that Paul especially uses. Mm. Now the that that fight happens in the faith. Uh, one instance of what kind of struck me is I'm studying uh, Luke two because we're starting a Christmas series in church and uh, uh, the the heavenly host that appears to the shepherds and it struck me that so often that's depicted like this heavenly choir on you know with playing harps and on clouds but host is a military term this Mm. was a military march coming into uh the shepherd's life declaring in a loud battle chant glory to god in the highest and like that is just a cool concept to maybe view it a little differently that all Scripture is enriched with these military battle kind of language that shows that that's what life is. Um, I mean, if we wake up and we have to, it's a fight and we need to be ready for it. And we need to exercise our faith and live for God with that same kind of mentality you would have donning your armor for war. And so I think that may be the first thing is just to realize uh, all that language and it was ran for a purpose. It speaks to that your, that male heart and that human heart that we're in this battle. And then I think you know, point them to um, ministries and and purposes that are not you know very female driven. 
and maybe more of those ministries where they where they are physically helping people or or meeting those needs or out in the community um, takes courage and they can mm. closely see that being more of a more related to a battle. Cool. Mm. Yeah. No, that's that's really good. And again, um, you know, so glad we were able to have you on promote your book decided um adam we you know we don't want to take up too much of your time here um, but we want to give you an opportunity just to kind of have the last few words before we sign off and so um you know anything else you wanted to say um about your book or you know something that we might have missed we always like to give authors kind of the last word because you know of course we always read it and you know people get different perspectives on on literature that they read but it's always great to you know get the author's um perspective and and just things that you thought were important that you wanted to highlight so just want to turn it over to you for a couple minutes um to talk about anything that you want to talk about yeah, well, first of all, I appreciate the opportunity, and I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, I'm very thankful for it. I, I am not a huge marketing guy, <laughs> and I help, I really do not like self-promotion. And so even uh, messaging you and asking for you to read my book was hard for me because I, <laughs> I, I don't like to do that kind of stuff. And so I appreciate it. Um, yeah, you, you, it can be found on Amazon. Uh, Kindle format or hard hardback or uh, paperback, but a physical copy or on BarnesandNoble.com, and so that's where you can find it. Um, it I intentionally wrote it with short chapters and kind of to the point, so it's accessible and mm-hmm. people can get into it and find the point. Maybe even read it in small groups or in mm. a, uh, discipleship groups um, and, and dialogue about it. Mm. Yep. Um, we kind of hit the main points of why I wrote it and that need, I think of just us living our faith as we're called to mm. is so important. Um, it's not a legalistic thing, but it is um, a life lived for God to his glory. Um, and because of what he's done for us. And I think when we catch that picture of how we've been saved, this should be part of our response that we give all of who we are back to him and yeah. live for him. Oh, that's, that's excellent. And, you know, once again, really, really appreciate that. And, um, Adam, I'm going to put you on the spot here, but, um, we want to get as much, um, promotion out of this as possible. So, um, what we would like to do is, uh, for those who listen to this podcast, this podcast is going to release tonight, um, Tuesday, November 28th. Um, we're going to give uh, a week, uh, until the next podcast until next Tuesday, which would be December 5th for our listeners to respond in one of two ways. Uh, if it's cool with you, we'll give away two books. Um, we'll do one for Twitter reposts. So people who retweet this podcast and just get it out there on their social media and their network. And then we'll do one for Facebook um, posts as well. So those who like this and then they repost it on their page. And um, if it's cool with you, what I'll do is I'll just um, I'll collect the winners of that and I'll send those names over to you if you're good with sending out uh, two free copies. Does that sound Sound good to you? Yeah, that sounds great. All right. So that's what we'll do. Um, we will throw this out to our listeners. So again, um, for those who are listening to this and you have until uh, Tuesday, December 5th, 
uh, which is when I will look at the Twitter for the past week, the Twitter feed for the past week, and I'll see who's reposted and who's retweeted out this podcast to people to listen to on their page. And then the same thing for Facebook. So one winner on Twitter and one winner on Facebook. And, um, you know, I just want to throw this out there um, for our listeners as well. We haven't actually been uh, promoting ourselves too much. Um, we are going to get back into that a little bit more into the new year. Um, but right now we want to promote Adam, Adam's book, Decided, and get that into the hands of people. And again, um, you can pick this up on uh, Amazon. Um, you can pick it up on hardback Kindle form and make sure that you get this because uh, again, I can't, I can't say this enough. This was just a fantastic book to read. Um, just being intentional about our faith in Christ. So Adam, once again, thank you so much for coming on and joining us. It was a pleasure. I am so very glad that you got in touch with me and asked me to read this book. Um, like I like I said before uh, earlier in the podcast, we've had people come on, and some people we've just said, you know, uh, thanks for sending me a copy, um, you know, but it's really I, I don't think it would I don't think it would jive, but um, this was something that I felt really meshed with, um, you know, what we're trying to do and promote here on the podcast. So thank you so much for getting in contact with me about that. No, thank you once again. Absolutely. Well, we're going to go ahead and sign off now. Steve, Adam, we just rocked the Casbah. Rocked it. These go to 11.